All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. Hey, the people at Team Builder want to give you a free 30-day trial if you if you use the code TTFP which stands for the Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. Now, typically, it'd be a 14-day trial. They want to give you 30 days. Here's the information on it. Team Builder is a software for firefighter-specific tactical strength and conditioning coaches around the world. It's used to prepare first responders and rescuers to meet the demands of the job. The powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with users. The software allows coaches to individualize training and quickly track exertion of each user to make informed training decisions. Head to teambuilder.com, that's T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com, and sign up for, sign up for that free 30-day trial. Use code TTFP, Tailboard, Talk, Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast, and uh, check it out. And welcome to the last episode of 2022. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. Uh, everybody was finally healthy here, and that's what we were waiting for. Um, and I worked Christmas day. My shift pulled the, the awesome schedule this year where we work Christmas day and new year's Eve. So Christmas day was busy and new year's Eve, I'm sure won't disappoint. So if nothing else, have some good stories coming out of that one. But not only is this the last episode of 2022, this is the last replay episode for a little while here. And last week we heard uh, Matt Mangum's story, phenomenal story. If you didn't listen to that one, go back. It's a little bit longer, but it, we just cover so much ground in that one. There's so much of a story to tell. And like I said, there's more to come on that one. This week we're doing, or I'm replaying one of the most listened to and also the most reacted to episodes. It's the Uncomfortable Conversations one. And this was based off an incident that happened uh, where Kurt and I work, and we re- it's kind of a reaction episode. Um, I think about a week later after the incident, um, we sat down and kind of gave our opinions on it, gave our thoughts on it. It's a little bit harsh. Now, I remember I say in the episode, and I honestly, I did have all these conversations with the person who was the subject of the episode before recording the episode. Um, so he's well aware of it, and he's also listening to the episode by now. So um, hope you guys like it. If you have any more feedback on it, shoot it over. And this is really one where a lot of the feedback came from people saying, hey, I sent this to someone that has kind of had this issue for a while, but I didn't know how to approach it. And this was a great way to break the ice. So if it can be used for that, please do. And if you liked it, there's also the second part of it where uh, it's called Officers Lead the Conversation, where Kurt and I kind of give tips to people who are looking to have these conversations and get into them and ways that you can have it when maybe you're not so sure of uh, yourself. So check it out. Once again, thank you guys for listening this year. It's been an awesome year. So many good interviews, so many good episodes, and I'm really excited for 2023. got some good stuff in the works and uh, talk to you next week live. Until then, let's listen to Uncomfortable Conversations and uh, talk to you guys soon. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions 
to make us capable and durable both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from First Shift, and let's go chat. Tell me all about it. (laughs) (laughs) So we did his consumption drill. Yeah. And uh, it was him and uh, someone else who's new who's like a squirrel uh, who easily doubled his capacity. I I can't remember who was even in his class. I wasn't sure if I should say names on this or not. It's uh, okay. I I can edit out very yeah several things. So yeah, I'm sure so, I'm going to. The so way this he is gets go. done in like I want to say he started bells at like seven minutes and was <laughs> like under in the twelves. He was done. All done. All done. Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, so then going. A lot more. Yeah. And so then the excuses start coming of like, I could do more. If I had another bottle here, I could just keep going. It's just, I just, I just breathe so hard oh, no that shit. I run out of air and, it, you know, and, uh, so then he asked about breathing. He's like, is there a way I can breathe better? I'm like, I'm like, ah, you can, you know, box breathe. And I kind of told him what that was. Mm. So then I saw him at something, a drill or something a couple weeks later. And it was not, it was not more than a month later. And he goes, yeah, I've been doing that box breathing. Uh, I got my resting heart rate, recovery rate back down into the 45s. I'm like, perfect. Stop. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, where do you start? Like, yeah, you can definitely uh, breathe better if you're not in such dog shit shape. <laughs> yeah. So here's the way to be, breathe better. Don't be so goddamn tired by doing regular stuff. Yeah. Don't be two and a half spins on the scale and, uh, <laughs> by the time you're 24. Dude, is it wrong to be so frustrated I feel like having fitness businesses and being in the fire service, we have a, almost an obligation to be more understanding of out of shape people that are in the fire service. Like we, we have a, a greater idea and concept of the range of health that makes yes. people out of shape, right? Mm-hmm. It frustrates me to no end to see chubby people get hired oh, yeah. in the fire service. And I don't know if that's unfair or not. And I don't know if it's justified or not. But it drives me absolutely crazy. It drives me crazy. Um, I shouldn't say it makes me that angry that they got hired. It makes me angry that they, like V used to say, they didn't come and cap- kidnap you and make you take the test. Right. Right. You knew probably at least a year ahead of time that you were going to pursue this job at our department. Right. Yep. And in that year, even if you come and tell me that you dropped 60 pounds in that year to get to where you are now, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. If I saw you a year ago and you were the same shape you are when you start your first day of shift and it's not a good shape, that drives me insane. Yeah. Because you know what you're, you should know what you're in store for. You've been through the academy. Right. You know, hopefully what the job entails a little bit if you're not just an athlete walking in and, and trying to get a cool job, mm-hmm. right? But we, we've gotten them time and time again. Yeah. And then we tell them like, this is when you should probably be at your peak and you're going to slow down over the next 35 years. Right. So if you're coming in looking like this, this bag of milk body you got, Mm -hmm. where are we going? And the chance that you're going to get off probation and especially with the probation we have, that's so tough. The chance you're going to get off that and then get re-motivated to do more stuff Mm -hmm. is not realistic. And then you're in a hole. Yeah. And I don't know why it frustrates me so much. I guess I do obviously, but. But God, dude, just drives me crazy. Because then you get put in the position like this kid at the fire 
that he's the new guy. He went through a bottle and a half, and he was trying to throw a 28-foot ladder, a two-man throw, which makes it even more frustrating. And it was slow to the point where me, not on his crew, just a bystander doing another function adjacent to him, <laughs> yelled at him. Yeah. <laughs> and rudely reminded him that he's not getting paid by the hour to throw that ladder. And his officer was like, what is going on? And the guy who was healing the ladder basically took it from 30 degrees and pulled it the rest of the way up because he could not wait for this kid to throw this ladder anymore. Yeah. And so I asked him, like, are you guys three bottles deep right now? Because everybody's working. We went through four. Right. And he's like, that's a bottle and a half, and this mm-hmm. is what he's doing. That corner of the fire was so difficult, and putting the ladder up to the roof line was going to accomplish a couple of things, but it was going to make everybody's job a lot better, mm-hmm. the hole they were going to cut. And if I've been babysitting this corner and troubleshooting it for 20 minutes, and then they're going to send you to me to make my life easier on this corner, and you show up and that's your performance level, right? I'd, I'd rather you just not even be there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm three bottles in. Tell me what to do, and I'll figure it out. Right with a little more aggression than you're capable of putting forward with that body you got. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Frustrates me. Yeah. And I know it's unfair and it's probably not a popular thing it's not unfair, to express. Though. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment, you know, I mean, like we're, we operate off of this worst case scenario situation, but the problem is, is that we could face the worst case scenario. Yeah. And, do you want to, you know, we don't want people, we, we rely on other people, you know? And it's like, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, we won't be able to drag his fat ass out of there. But it's the other thing to say, if I really got in a pinch, could he pull me out of there, you right. know? And uh, that's the thing that, that, that I get most upset about is you're going to get somebody who's being compensated to maintain a standard and they're not at the standard, you know? And uh, unfortunately, our department has nothing to do about it, but... Um, you know, it's just it's just a personal thing, and that person right. has just made a personal decision to say, you know what, I don't care enough. You well, know? and that's that's going to be the eventual more not debate, but the two sides of the story is like, well, then the department should provide for me. The department should provide a trainer and a facility and time on shift to do it, and all these resources, and that would solve my problems. Yeah, and I don't think it would because that would solve your problems for maybe one out of every three days right. for an hour. But you got a lot of time outside of that hour on that day, mm-hmm. as well as a ton of time on your two days off, right. regardless if you're working overtime or not. That's not going to solve your problem. And it, it's another, I think, unpopular opinion because there's going to be, there's always needs to be a push for a greater presence of health and wellness and fitness in the fire service. And I get that. But it can't be just a zero fault thing to the individual where it's like everything's on the organization to provide everything for you. And I know that some people don't like that because, because it's a much easier thing to yell because they know it'll never happen. Right. Right. But it takes, I'm going to off the top of my head, just make an arbitrary number 80%. Go ahead and refute it. Can't. It takes 80% of a personal investment or commitment to make it work. And you being able to do it on shift is a nice little treat of 20% Mm -hmm. that should be there in some capacity or some form. But if it's not there, that shouldn't be the reason you stack on 30 pounds in the first five years of career. Right. That little bit of personal responsibility or personal investment is where I think a lot of people lack and where I tend to alienate a lot of people because yeah, I want, 
I want to be able to provide for people um, that want to get better, right? I also have very little interest in trying to provide for people who just don't don't care or don't want to yeah. make that personal investment or are going to rely on me to be their 80% right. motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not, I don't have 80% for myself. I'm not going to give you yeah. what I don't have for myself. So I don't know, maybe a little ranty. You know, but it's, it may be, but it, <laughs> it's deserved, you know? And, and like, I try and take a step back too and understand, like, we came from athletic backgrounds. So, like, working out necessarily wasn't, wasn't necessarily a love, mm. but working was, you know, working hard at something. Right. And I think we get less and less athletes that start at the fire department. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't a, previous background of effort given and I, I wouldn't say that it has to be athletes either it's also trades too we, we aren't you don't get plumbers and carpenters and people that have been out yeah being physical you know and so now they've they've accepted this occupation that demands some physicality but it's not something that was bred in them for 25 years leading up to it right and now you're asking them all of a sudden to actively participate in something aggressively that they probably don't like to do. And that's why they avoided it for, for that long or didn't compete and stuff. It's not wrong or right. It's just, there's, I think that's, I can understand, maybe understand that side of things of like, people just didn't come from the same background as us, you know? Yeah. On the flip side though, it's like, (laughs) it's not, it's not the end of it. It's not the excuse, but uh, I can just see that. Here's another one that's fathomable. Uh, yeah. Here's another one. Uh, <laughs> so we have s- some newer people floating around the department now. Um, and one of them is going to be testing for the department. He's, he's, if he's not 21, he's turning 21 shortly. And he went to school for this. Uh, and this is, this is what he's known that he's wanted to do. And he failed his first CPAT. He was telling me. Uh, the other, so he was taking his second CPAT last week, I think, mm. and uh, had failed this first one. And I was like, oh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, was it the step mill? Because I know if you haven't done that, you know, when you load 75 pounds, that's, yeah. it's hard. Uh, he's like, no. He's like, uh, you know, believe it or not, it was the uh, ventilation, the roof simulator. Um, like the pike pole one? The pike pole yeah. one, yeah. And I was like, really? He's like, I'm like, you just, run, you just ran out of time. He's like, no, I just quit. Good. Like, what? Good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you did what? I'm like, yeah. he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know if I just didn't eat that day or something, but I just yeah. stopped. Got I told really the guy s- I didn't have it anymore. And I'm like, get really sleepy. <laughs> I'm like, get out of here. Please take it again. Yeah. So that's just another thing that I can't fathom is just stopping. Like, right. You know, you're gonna have to like pull me off of that thing or tell me my, my time's up. But I'm not just gonna look over the guy and be like. Yeah, I think I'm just done, you know? <laughs> like, I couldn't even fathom that, you, you know? know? <laughs> this is tough, man. I think I'll live to fight another day. <laughs> I don't even think, yeah, like you're saying, I don't even think it's a generational thing. Like, that's always the easy, low-hanging fruit of, like, oh, this generation is the the softest. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an exposure thing, like you're saying. Maybe that's more of a generational movement. Man, but I, yeah, I just I don't, don't know what to do with it. I do know what to do with it. It's just uncomfortable for everybody all around. Is, is, to not, is it just an avoidance thing now that you hope that you're never going to be put in a situation like where it's like, because you've been exposed, like, and we've talked about this, like 
we've had some people have been exposed in our uh, skills evaluations yeah. that we do. And is is the hope that they just get past those and then they avoid that for the rest of their career and hope that when the time comes, someone else more suitable is ready to do that for them? I would say, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a as foreign as that sounds to us, that's certainly some people's approach. Yeah. 100%. That's absolutely some people's approach of like, what are the chances this is going to happen? Right. You know? And then they bank on, not even like that I could if I had really had to, they'd bank on the fact of like, well, this is a team sport. And if I'm having, if I miss something, I'll, I got four guys around me that can help me out. Right. And that's, that's real. That's an actual parachute because that happens. Mm-hmm. Just like throwing that ladder another guy did twice the amount of work to compensate for the one guy who, who couldn't. Right. So that's an actual thing. I also just think that I hate the word complacency, um, but you can be, you can survive in this profession for a long, long time being really not in good shape. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth of it. But it comes down to how ineffective I don't even say how effective, how ineffective you want to be when you have to operate at a seven, eight, or nine out of 10. Right. Once every five or six years. Because it's relatively seldom. Right. But the warning I guess I could give people is like, we were talking to people after this fire. You can rely on your policy that says after two bottles you go to rehab, or you can rely on uh, the real world which says that now we moved our packs from quarter service alarms to third service alarms. Mm-hmm. So in our consumption course we run, we've seen it go from 15 to 17 minutes of working time and then seven to nine minutes of bell, right, mm-hmm. roughly. Now it's, like you said, 11 to 15 minutes of working time and nine to 12 minutes of bell. Yeah. But that bell's not working time in a real fire, right, right? or in a real incident. So you've cut your time down substantially. Mm-hmm. So now three bottles is going to be the norm. Like right. for you to, to do two bottles and out, we're going to be at, at the second level box for everything yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. Realistically, we're at the three bottles, maybe pushing four for a real incident. I think, um, so we went through four active bottles in this in this last fire, and then we put on a fifth one for mop-up and just because we don't want to be in a gross stinky environment for kind of poking around and and looking at the building after the fact, but that's going to be more the norm than not. And so if you're banking on the policy of two and out and you're in a department where you rely on mutual aid above all, you might be still deep in this thing by the time your, your second bottle is done. You might be nowhere near getting relieved or no viable companies on scene. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the ego takes over. Most guys go fall back to like the wall. The fires go out eventually right? if you just wait long enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, then my department should staff it better or we should have this piece of equipment or yeah. that's when the ego protects you, you know, and you start blaming other people. I think on the other side, we protect, sometimes we protect those people too. We go, well, he's a good medic, you know, or sure, he's a nice kid. Sure. You know, he's trying hard. You know, yeah. and uh, I think we do we do that a lot too. You know, well, that's where that's the uncomfortable part is you. I don't think I've ever heard someone speak harshly to an overweight or out of shape person to the point of saying like, "I don't want to work with you because you're a liability." Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. No, I certainly haven't said it. 
Um, I've taken different approaches, right? Mm-hmm. Like a more professional and actually like helpful approach. Yeah. But it doesn't mean people aren't thinking it. Katie dislikes several people that are on her department because she sees them as threats to my personal safety mm-hmm. on incidents, right? Um, I do think, though, there is an opportunity with the new hires and people in their first three to four years to have that frank of a discussion and tell them basically like the the level of fitness and capacity you're coming with now is not acceptable to me. Right. You may be able to pass the CPAT and you may be able to pass probation. And if you want to fall back on that as your defense of like, well, I passed the test, so what are you going to do? Right. You can have that attitude too. Yeah. It's going to lead to all kinds of different problems throughout the department. Mm-hmm. But just know that this is not acceptable. It's acceptable to whatever standard we've set for you, the lowest standard possible right. to keep you employed. But on an operational standard and a personal pride and actual functional capacity standard, this is not okay. Yeah. I would like to see more of those conversations happen. Mm-hmm. Tough part is that has to come from somebody who's also going to uphold right. that side of the bargain, right? And most people just aren't wired like us or ingrained in enough like us to make that that sort of commitment and also that bold of a statement to call someone out and also not have a little bit of skeleton in their closet their their health right. closet yeah. <laughs> to be waved in their face. Yep. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not looking to go be the hitman for the, for everybody's you know dad bod. <laughs> but if you're in your first one to five years of your career and you're coming to me looking like like chewed bubble gum. Yep. And when you tuck in your shirt, it's full. Yeah. <laughs> right? Your belt buckle faces down. Yeah. <laughs> if you're coming to me like that, know that it's not acceptable to me and I don't like it. And if you change it, I'll be happy for you. And I'll help you change it. But you're going to have to change it. Like it has to change. Yeah. And I guess it doesn't have to change at all, but it has to change. Right. <laughs> I'd like it to change. Or these conversations will stay status quo. This won't be the last time. And we're just going to, I mean, we hire general population, mm-hmm. right? But we have to internally set the standard of what's acceptable. Right. And then that spins into like the mandatory fitness assessment conversation, which is another uncomfy, yep. <laughs> unpopular it's, opinion it's for a lot a tricky of people. One. Very tricky one. <laughs> I was just talking, uh, were we talking about Plainfield? Plainfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so up until 9.30, they get – it's fitness time. And mm. so there's no inspections, pub ed, no multi-company training or anything. But yeah. everybody that's on shift does some sort of physical something really? up until 9.30. Yeah. Somebody was just telling me the other day that Waukegan, I think, did that. He said that you get the typical guy sitting on the on the office chair on the treadmill with his feet up on the – yeah. railings reading his paper because that's that's what he does every day mm-hmm. for his mandatory fitness you know yeah he's like but i want to use the treadmill he's like no i'm using it <laughs> and so it's you're always going to have those guys right yeah but i would i would i would like that um and it's fine because that's going to be the vast mi- minority yeah. you know but you're going to get the people that need something to do something you know yeah. and you'll always have 10 percent making noise you know and right. it's, that's fine at that point but yeah. you know that you catch some of the people that won't do it unless they're told to do it, and then they'll do it, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I could I could speak equally as strong for having that plus a trainer come in from the outside mm-hmm. and provide it for the people because yep. that would provide a huge value, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of talk in the face of what I said before of you need a, a strong commitment and then 
the stuff that happens on shift is a perk. Right. Um, I definitely understand both sides, but I and that's def- the thing is like the trainer, like I know it lo- seems like a big cost to outlay, but if you told, if you told a trainer, a good trainer that they were going to work Monday through Friday with normal hours, they didn't mm-hmm. have to do the bookend hours mm-hmm. and they were going to get paid between 50 and $70,000 a year. You would have no problem filling that position. Oh yeah. And you can justify that super easily because, you know, at our, at our department, I don't know what the exact number is, but I would guess that every day that a person is off, it's probably between two and $3,000 for a 20 to cover that 24 hour shift because you're paying that person, you're paying the person to come in on overtime to cover them. Yeah. You're paying all the expenses that go, you know, around whether it's legal or whether it's the insurance, you know, premiums or all that. Right. So, so I'll multiply that by. 60 days off a year, which I'm sure our department exceeds Oh yeah, in a month, you know? <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden that $70,000 towards a trainer of proactive stuff is, I mean, that's a pretty good deal at that point, a good investment, you know? I don't, I can't think of one place that's in, instituted one that's had a negative result. No. Um, I can only imagine the only negative result would be just the actual trainer being bad or being a bad fit or being flighty, but any kind of worthwhile program that's put in there is going to be a positive return. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to be, it's a big amount of money for a new thing. Yep. For not a one-time cost thing. We've always done it. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. So I would definitely like to see that, but I still, I still think for as good as that would be, it would help some people get involved. It would help some people get interested and would continue the good things that people are already doing. They just need, we just need to shore. That's the shoring up part. That's the the chalk in the door part mm-hmm. that I talked about before, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, really, I suppose, letting your ego down and getting past all the common taglines of why it's stupid to work out or someone else should be doing it for you and then doing like the, ask why three times thing and make yourself really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. as to why you should be in better shape. Right. That's what's going to help people and get that 80% in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell and tough conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's see. That's roughly 24 minutes so far. (laughs) I think that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good little bitch session. Listen, if you guys disagree with what Kurt and I are saying, the first thing you should do is go on the website and donate money to show us how much you hate it. Upwards of five to seven coffees will prove to us that you do not like what we're talking about. If you do like it, what we're talking about, the best thing you can do is give us some coffee and buy us some coffee to caffeinate us more so we have more old guy rants about this weak generation that we're hiring in the fire service that's ruining everything and uh, softening up the world for us. In any case, go donate some money so we can buy coffee and have a good time. If you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out, and we'll talk to you guys soon.